You're listening to the Quince podcast. Syed Ali Shah Jilani, the 92-year-old veteran Hurriyat leader who guided the separatist movement in Kashmir, passed away late on 1st September at his Srinagar residence. Though he tendered his resignation from the Hurriyat conference almost 15 months ago and has been in house arrest for more than a decade, his death brought a near-total blackout of communication services in the valley, an overnight curfew, and the presence of hundreds of security personnel on the streets of Srinagar. A teacher turned separatist, Jilani's political career spanned over six decades, rallying around a single, unwavering agenda of merging Jammu and Kashmir with Pakistan. Apart from his hardline views, he commanded a large support group, especially among the valley's youth. However, his departure has now left his party, the Tehri-Khe-Hurriyat, without a captain, and with the centre also considering a ban on the Hurriyat faction, the party is left at a crossroads on what lies ahead in their future. In today's podcast, we discuss with Srinagar-based journalist Shakir Meer on how Jilani shaped Kashmir politics over the years and what his death means for the future of the Hurriyat. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Himmat. So, Shakit, thank you so much for coming on the Big Story podcast. It's a pleasure having you as a guest for this very special episode. I want to first speak about the events after the news of Mr. Jalani's death broke out. From what we know so far from reports is that local authorities sprung into action, making a beeline for his residence, and also reportedly asked the family to bury him immediately. Like some reports have also stated that the police, quote-unquote, snatched his body and did not even allow family members to attend the final rites. Um, there's also been a snap curfew in the valley, phone lines being disconnected, and even internet services being halted. Can you paint us a picture on what happened after his death uh, was announced and the situation in Srinagar at the moment? Uh, right now, we are I, I, yesterday, uh, I mean, day before yesterday, when, when I, was, uh, I was in my room when we got the news that he has been, there has been a demise of Mr. Gilani. Mm. So we knew what, by instinctively, we knew what's going to happen. We were anticipating the crackdown. We were anticipating the uh, protest, possibly. We were also anticipating the uprising, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of one we witnessed in 2016. Although similar, the, the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of setting around us was similar because certainly a mobile networks went off, internet went off, and uh, even the broadband connections went off for a night. Mm-hmm. So we clearly thought that we were back into 2019 situation when there was this uh, overarching clampdown on Kashmir in, in the aftermath of abrogation of 370. But but yeah. uh, thankfully that did not happen and it lasted for only for a day. And today, I think by 10 p.m., they are likely to resume the telephone and internet services as well. Okay. But uh, what, what, what we are hearing is that, uh, is that Mr. Gilani, when he died, because he was already suffering from prolonged illness, he had, he had he was already expected to you know uh, to to ex- to de- depart uh, by his family members that's why mm-hmm. some of family members who were you know who were putting up at other places they they would also come and uh, they 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 were already there 
but then we heard uh, the news that you know police has decided that uh, that his body will not be given to them for the burial in fact police uh, police are saying that we facilitated we did not snatch mm. the body but we facilitated the the burial process but family members say that you know they are, there are even some video recordings from the room um, that 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 show how how family members are trying to resist uh, mm. the police trying to take away the body i have those videos and families are there shouting they're telling police that mm. we will not give you the body let let us do let us do this ourselves wow. and and mr gill Express the wish to be buried at the martyrs' graveyard, which is there are many martyrs' graveyard across Kashmir. One of them is in Srinagar as well, where every uh, person who has been shot dead or killed by the Indian government forces over the last 30 years is being buried. So mm. it's sort of uh, there has a symbolic value for Kashmiris. Uh, mm. So so he had Gilani had expressed this wish to be buried at the martyrs' graveyard, but that was denied. Instead, uh, just uh, few meters from his house, there is another graveyard, a local graveyard in in that neighborhood. Uh, where mm. he lives, uh, where he was, you know, where he was interred, I think by the police, because that's what we are being told that the police uh, facil facilitated all the last rites and the and the burial process. But there was a lot of anger, and police was anticipating it. In fact, uh, I, I I tried to get in touch with them. Officers, they said yes. Uh, we are we are going to, you know, put um, the Kashmir Valley under high alert, and mobile internet communication networks would be down. And even the movement will be restricted uh, so that, you know, they, they, they fear that some escalation of uh, law and order might happen and Kashmir could possibly turn, uh, there, there might be another uprising. And because this one came in the aftermath of uh, 370 abrogation, so they expected that, you know, they, it will be very furious because Kashmir is already very angry over a lot of things that are happening uh, with respect to land laws, with respect to domicile, with respect to the press freedom, with respect to the other civil freedoms which have been, you know, consistently not being given to them since abrogation, since August 5, 2019. So eventually uh, there was this military, the area where, where Mr. Gilani lives were completely turned into a military fortress. I could see the videos, my friends were there, uh, you know, they had invited me, but my family members were very apprehensive as to what could happen. So they didn't, didn't let me go. But eventually I did manage to get the contacts. I, I spoke to my friends who were there and they, they did describe what was completely uh, you know, they did not allow press to press to attend that place. Press was completely barred. My friend and editor of Kashmirwala, Mr. Fadsha, he was also mm. uh, denied, uh, uh, you know, access to that place. So press, mm. that place was completely sealed. Uh, so, and right now, the only way that that the processions in his favor or his funeral processions, people could not join his funeral processions, is because. Uh, there was a very, very severe crackdown. There were checks point, checkpoints everywhere in Srinagar. Even I was coming from a hospital and there were, I had to turn my car uh, be, and take a very long route to reach my home because there was stone pelting going on and the roads were sealed with those uh, wire meshes that were coils of wire which were placed on the roads. So there's a fully, you know, complete crackdown. I mean, people, there are a lot of distress across Kashmir. I could see people uh, on the road, they're, they're talking, they're, they're asking to each other if, if they had BSNL phone so that they could call their relatives. There is a lot of distress on the streets right now. So the clampdown is extreme. Now, Shakar, I want to speak regarding the reasons for these uh, fears of protest in the valley due to Mr. Janani's death. Like, he has been always been labeled as a quote-unquote hardliner for his uncompromising rules on Kashmir. What earned him that label? Can you expand on that? 
Uh, see, he uh, he has already witnessed so many talks. When we speak about Kashmir politics or conflict, we really tend to begin with 1989 when the insurgency began, because that's what public, you know, how the media has framed the discourse around Kashmir that mm. it began. The problem began in 1989, but that was not the case. I mean, right from 1947, uh, there have been demands for plebiscite. They are saying that Kashmiris have been saying that if you, if there was a promise, why not fulfill this? And in fact, there were many UN mediators in between. Okay. And then eventually, we had 1964 uprising, and there were there were also uh, allegations of, of unfair elections and shooting of protesters right up to 1975, when Mr. Sheikh Abdullah was released after 22 years of imprisonment. He was also released thrice in between. But totally, mm -hmm. uh, detention period lasted between 1953 and 1977. Uh, okay. So then he he decided to decided to forego everything. He said decided let's move forward and let's not worry about the back. But what that did was this this plebiscite front people. They were really uh, you know they felt uh, disillusioned. They said this is a betrayal of our values and all these. And and then mm -hmm. there were talks and so so eventually there was this impression that Indian government is not serious with with the democracy. They just want they just um. They just want these to buy time, and by the by the time they they think that everything is okay, they 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 control things with their might. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is very futile to have conversations. Gilan even says that uh, that there have been this uh, number of talks between India, over hundred uh, talks. I mean, some hundred. Uh, he gives a precise number. I think 140, 140 round of talks with with the Indian government, but nothing has come out of this. So what this thing did was this clicks with Kashmiri people. This finds traction because Kashmiri people have seen that how Sheikh Abdullah first, uh, you know, uh, so what is viewed being what is being viewed as a capitulation of some kind. And then mm -hmm. they also see that, uh, you know, people like uh, people who were already in the uh, separatist camp have turned into mainstream Christians. So that made Gilani exceptional. He said that I will yeah. not be uh, buckling uh, under any pressure. So I, whatever happens is transparent. And and I will only allow talks to happen once certain conditions are met. And those conditions were like withdrawal of forces, repealing of laws like Armed Forces Special Powers Act, India's India recognizing that Kashmir is a disputed territory, and then honoring that that these this will be solved via plebiscite. So these were that's what made him popular among Kashmiris because when Kashmir realized that every leader is has some has one problem or the another or another. Or that yeah. some leaders are, are, you know, predisposed for a for a quote unquote compromised, yeah. so compromised. So that made Gilani a very exceptional leader in 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 the eyes of people. Yeah, I also want to speak to now uh, like regarding the support that he enjoyed. Like he enjoyed uh, like a, a large amount of support, especially from the uh, Kashmiri youth as well. Like he was a big player in electoral politics. Like having been. Uh, three-time MLA in the JNK Assembly, like even in the notoriously rigged elections of 1987, like. But he was also known for drafting protest calendars and like leading many street agitations from uh, 2008 onwards to 2016, I think, which also reportedly increased like his influence uh, in the region. So, can you shed some light on what kind of moves made him that kind of a popular leader? Yeah, let me give an anecdotal, uh, you know, perspective of me as a teenager in two thousand eight and two thousand ten when I when I was, you know, when I saw what happened because I lived in the old part of the Srinagar city and that's what was the mm -hmm. bastion, the stronghold of of these protests and all that. So yeah. what happened was Gilani uh, would visit every house of every teenager who had died in the police fighting. And that mm -hmm. would make him very popular when he visited 
when he visited uh, the families uh, of these people he would he would pay condolences and he would he would you know try to console the families and that would make a you know make him very popular because uh, you know that that people felt that they you know they are it's a prestigious thing to have to have mr gilani come and visit the family and he did that repeatedly there were close to 60 uh, deaths in 2008 and and around 120 deaths in 2010 uprisings so mm-hmm. everywhere mr gilani would visit and he would give speeches and those speeches will make him very popular because those speeches actually uh, you know try to outline how how during the history of kashmir uh, kashmiris have witnessed so much tribulations and privations and yet leaders were you know would they turn out to be sellouts and that how his hardline stance is the only um, is the only posture is the only political posture that would yield something for kashmiris and that really had traction for kashmiri youth and this this thing this visiting of people from every household i remember there was one killing in my locality and and he visited in 2010 and women would come out with with milk with, with they would throw flowers and they would throw perfumes and coconut waters and what not you know and and that was the kind of and and who the in the family where gilani would visit would have their prestige will go up because they would you know they will be called as some it, it was something to have you know gilani visiting that their house and also that the speeches you know i remember in 2010 uh, during protests he would give speeches and where wherever he could not reach he would he would deliver these speeches on on phone and those phone would be uh, put on a uh, put on a microphone inside a mosque and then loudspeaker would blare out his uh, Uh, his speeches and people would listen and they would listen to him very very intently and and he mm-hmm. held all the people in thrall and those speeches would be recorded and those recorded would be uh, those recordings would be amplified and they would travel far off in in villages across uh, across kashmir uh, you know even those speeches were uh, recorded in srinagar but they would travel uh, in the rural hinterland as well and that that's what it's exactly what made him very popular within the youth because of because he didn't want to compromise over anything and he he okay. kind of he said you know these things will happen and and even eventually kashmiris did realize that these things were happening he would even in speeches say that this is how india will abrogate 370 and he would it will make india uh, india will sell the kashmiri mm-hmm. land and the demographic changes and and that's exactly what happened in 2019 so kashmiris think yeah. that you know he was really prophetic in that sense now although he had like pro pakistani sentiment there was also other sides to him as well like from what reports i've read like i read in your article as well that you wrote for the quen that jilani also wrote for the daily khidmat in which he praised india for its secular democracy and then he has also famously opposed both former pakistan parvez uh, yeah parvez musharraf uh, and his four point formula for the valley and also the indian government as well so can you draw a comparison on what his relationship with the pakistani government has been Uh, compared to the indian side like has it evolved over the years or has it been has it remained the same uh no i don't think he he appears to be very cold uh, to pakistan i think it was during musharraf uh, times uh, the 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 relationship appeared to be you know nose diving because musharraf was uh, trusting on this four point formula which would have made kashmiri loc uh, a, a formal international border so mm-hmm. he was saying that you know this is kind of a, you are gutting the whole thing you are this is not what kashmiris want they want their their voice to be uh, heard by a, a plebiscite a un brokered plebiscite so yeah. you are gutting the whole yeah. thing because you want peace to you want to you want to give a big chunk of uh, you know this you want to cede your territory to india without you know 
just want to keep that side of Kashmir and you want to end this. And that was what, you know, what, in fact, when he met Gilani during early 2000s, he said to have told them, you know, that this is not acceptable and that, you know, you are ruining Pakistan because that time uh, Musharraf was under U.S. pressure to, to act against militants and close all these things. U.S. wanted uh, Pakistan to focus on its western border, so they had their own pressures as well. But Gilani was saying that, you know, this will be ruinous for overall Kashmir dispute and and but but overall we see have been a strong proponent of uh, Kashmir's accession with Pakistan but in interviews in several interviews with Seema Mustafa of NewsX with Nirupama Subramaniam who was then working with the Hindu or other journalists as well local journalists like Mehboob Jilani or he says he he quite he makes a very nuanced point he says that I am even I might personally favor accession with Pakistan but that's not what I want for Kashmiri people I want a plebiscite for Kashmiri people, and if, if they choose India, I will accept that decision. So that's what that's what he says. He's on record to have said this. He said, "Keep my 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 point is that plebiscite should be held. The UN promise should should be uh, delivered. Uh, the promise should be fulfilled, and and that's what I want. It's not necessary that Kashmiri should uh, you know compulsorily uh, vote for Pakistan. I mean, I might have my own personal uh, wishes." But that's not what I want for Kashmiri people. I want to have them complete freedom to decide what they are going to do. So there was a lot of nuance in this. So when we tell him that he's a pro-Pakistan leader, we, we try to glide over, glide over this nuance, what was in him. And as far as his comments with respect to India's secular democracy is concerned, yes, that was the time. I think that was before 1950s. Uh, that time, Kashmir was, you know, enjoying a certain, you know, leaders were uh, there, and uh, but even then, he was, you know, if if we read the history books, the first seven years of Sheikh Abdullah were really, you know, I mean, history is a, history books don't judge him very kindly. They say that those seven years were really uh, sort of. Uh, Mm-hmm. authoritarian i mean he showed the very authoritarian inclination with respect to other so so sheikh abdullah's years were very authoritarian so pro- possibly i think in those uh, years uh, gilani's mind was not that you know he did not witness that kind of political evolution that he did later mm-hmm. so at that time he was mentored by one of nc's uh, leading politicians um, mr molana masudi so it's very likely that under his influence he would have spoken or written these articles but when yeah. he when he when he witnessed that political maturity when he when his political philosophy really blossomed it was under a different uh, personality a lot of people were disillusioned at that time because immediately after the arrest of mr sheikh abdullah kashmiris felt that you know they are really trapped that's what the big that i think that's the start of very dangerous phase of Kashmiri politics when Sheikh Abdullah was arrested because that made a lot of people disillu- disillusioned with India and those disillusionments uh, manifested in different ways. In 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 Gilani's case, it was it was more uh, you know he he saw himself being propelled to more Jamaat Islami ideology and he thought his expression his political uh, beliefs would be best expressed by by adhering or espousing that kind of ideology. So with the death of Gilani, uh, where does the Tariki Huryat or the Huryat conference stand? Like, What does the future for the separatist party look like at the moment? Yeah, basically what happens is that Gilani died before announcing any successor. So two names were, were, were the people, you know, who had certain level of um, respectability among people was Ashraf Serai, who has died earlier this year, and mm-hmm. Mr. Masrat Alam, who is another uh, Huryat leader, but he's, been, he's in jail since 2010, I, I guess, because of his... Police alleges that he he has been uh, he has he has been stoking the stone pelting in Kashmir, 
and it is because of him that a lot of unrest happens. So he's being arrested under one PSA, Public Safety Act, after another. So, so these people were the ones who, who could have uh, succeeded Gilani, but one of them has died and uh, another is in jail and is unlikely to be released. So Gilani has actually died without announcing his successor. And now his successor should be someone who has a public face, who is already very popular. And I don't think there is anyone. I mean, there's no one such, there's no such a leader who will. And and Indian government will be very wary, you know, not to allow anybody who tries to match the Gilani's uh, influence, because that would be, uh, uh, you know, that would undermine the Indian government's efforts. You know that they try to invest so much into into trying to sort of quote unquote defang what is going on in Kashmir, and if they if they have a new leader, that will be counter that will be really detrimental to the Modi government's interests. So, but in the uh, but that aside, that will also create a vacuum because you know when we talk about mainstream parties, they are while they are elected by certain votes, they 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 go and villages and towns to solicit votes in the name of development, but also tell that you know larger conflict, Kashmir conflict is there, and we are not going to talk about. It's not in our domain. We are we are coming to you to vote for Bijli Sadak and Pani, but that means that you know, when it comes to larger mm. Kashmir conflict, no one is going to talk, and that creates a political vacuum. That creates a very strong political vacuum because. Uh, you know, you know, you have nobody to now. Suddenly, Kashmiris feel that their political aspirations are are being gutted, and 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 nobody is going to talk about them. When when these things happen in societies, when when we have such kind of political vacuum, it creates a room for more radical discourses. It creates a room for more violence, more violent responses. Because ultimately, violence is just that. It's it is uh, it is the you know it is the eventuality which ha which which has been caused by the. Uh, by the political vacuum and nobody talks on your behalf you resort to violence mm. to be heard or to be you know to be to be to be noticed so so in the longer end it will only create mm. vacuum it will allow more radical groups or groups with more radical ideologies to make we have already seen the groups like ansar gazwatul hind who aligns who says that we are associated with al-qaeda we have seen that islamic state of jumu and kashmir so these things, these these parties or these groups will likely attract more recruits, possibly because you know they will say that everything is uh, you know they will it, they they will be more attracted to this fatalistic narrative about Islamic caliphate and all that. Mm. It is precisely because uh, you know peaceful kind of political mobilization wasn't there and moderate mo political mobilization was disallowed, so they tend to become more radical over time. So this is how it will play out in the longer run. Well. It surely remains to be seen who will fill the leadership vacuum that Jirani has left behind, as you said. But uh, Shakit, thank you so much for your time today. I know it was quite a, uh, like trouble as well with all the internet clamp down in Srinagar at the moment. But thank you so much for making uh, time for us and also shedding some light on who uh, Jirani is as a person and the future for uh, the Hurriyat Party as we see so far. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website. And for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quince website and check out our other podcasts. 